In this episode, it's our first interview with a Twitch streamer, as my friend Pumpkinberry chats with me about getting started on Twitch, her video game interests, Star Trek, of course, and deep dives of all kinds. And it's happening right now on the Geek Generation. Hey now, everybody. Welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio today by my lovely friend, Twitch streamer, Pumpkinberry. How are you, Phoebe? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So first things first, because I'm curious. I don't know all the origins of PB, uh, but I'm super curious where the name even comes from, the Pumpkinberry. Oh, gosh. Uh, I get asked that all the time, and I don't really have a good answer. I wanted something yummy and delicious and a made-up food. And so I came up with pumpkinberry because I don't know my hair is orange. And That's that was the assumption I made is the the orange delicious. the orange connection. Yeah, I just wanted something that sounded cute and delicious, and so those those two came together. Is that because you're cute and delicious, PB? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I I don't know how long have we even like known each other at this point. It seems um, like it's longer than. It actually is, I think. Like, I Yeah, well, I, I feel like Twitch time is a little bit strange. It is. I want to say a year, but it's probably a little bit under a year. It might even be six months. I found you late, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Most people find me late. That's that's the way it goes. But I, um, I've um i made the connections through uh, everybody really strangely. Like, I didn't even really know about Twitch until Squalls. And then it was um, Squalls through SK through you and most of my listeners don't even know what I'm talking about right now because uh, the the Twitch thing is still very new to us too I think I've only been streaming for about a year or so um, so for those that are just listening we are doing this live on twitch.tv slash the geek generation um, but you should also be checking out twitch.tv slash pumpkinberry where you can watch our uh-huh. our wonderful guests live uh, like every single day your commitment to the stream is unreal you're there for like what six hours every day almost uh four technically but yeah we usually go later yeah (laughs) it's always like this is so good i can't stop playing yeah yeah it's good games are good games they keep me going now what was it that brought you to twitch in the first place why was this a platform that you saw and were like why am i not doing this um actually my my in real life um guild uh we were doing the 24 hour streaming for charity uh, extra life and so they had said they were going to stream it on twitch and they had said let's do this together so i signed up for twitch and it was not something that i had ever planned on kind of coming such a big thing such a big part of my life but um yeah once i started you know it's like met some really awesome people and then snowballed from there really it would be charity that brought you to Twitch. I can see that for sure. Now what was it about the platform like after streaming the first time what was the thing that made you say, oh, I'm going to keep doing this? Oh, okay. Well, that's easy. Um, so the first game that I played was Undertale, and it was great. But I, I played for um, mostly my sister who lived far away. Um, and we used to play games together all the time growing up. Um, one person would have the controller, and then the other person would do like the the book lady. So we'd be you know following either in the street strategic guide or something like that or drawing maps or something like that so that we could play the games together and then um so when i found out we could still do that long distance that's kind of when i was like okay i'll keep doing this and then and then i played the cat lady and had some really intense feels with a whole bunch of people on the internet i'd say like maybe 15 20 people were watching when we played that game and we cried and talked about depression for 40 minutes afterwards. And I was like, this is it. Yeah, it was, it it was an experience I will never forget. And then immediately after that, we played another game called the Talos principle, which had some really, really deep philosophy in it. And again, it was another one of those, we're going to talk for four hours while we play this game. And that's, that's what, what drew me into Twitch and didn't go back after that. It was like, I want to share unique experiences like this. I want to, connect with other humans and talk about ideas that maybe we don't necessarily get to talk about in our everyday lives and stuff like that. So, yeah. 
one of the things I've heard you talk about recently too is the the amount that you were so focused on uh, indie games at the beginning yeah. and you kind of felt yeah. like you got away from that, but now we're slowly getting oh, yeah. back to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if we're honest, um, I think when you're, when you're pushing for a partnership, it can be a little bit tempting and, and seductive when you find a game that you enjoy, mm. but also the numbers are really good. So I feel like, in the last month or so, I kind of really was like, oh, these are games I like and my numbers are really great. So why not? What's the harm in that? Mm-hmm. The harm in that is that you're slowly like killing your joy for what you're doing and you don't even realize it. Um, and I just kind of had this realization a couple of weeks ago that um, the reason why I started streaming was to share those experiences and to share games that otherwise go unnoticed mm. and um, because they're works of art. And I that's you know, I'm not just in playing games for entertainment. I'm in to experience something new and I want to share that with everybody. So yeah, we went back to playing mostly indie games and that's, that's the best for me. I think it's where my, my you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Undertale and what was it? The cat lady. Uh, yeah, the cat lady, 100%. If it's gory though, I should say if, if, oh, really? Nothing, yeah, it's, Um, and you know, there's trigger warnings and stuff like that. It's just one of those games that I had no, no expectations for it. I didn't know anything about it and I booted up. It's just really dark and, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful work of art. Have there been other games since those initial, like two or three that you mentioned that were really like, uh, worthwhile deep dives that you felt you got a lot out of the conversation as well as your viewers? Oh yeah. Um, the, the beautiful thing about Twitch and the beautiful thing about streaming like indie games is that you tend to draw in other people that are willing to talk about that kind of stuff on the internet. Like Soma is another really good game. Mm. Um, it's a little bit more well-known, but it still had really good discussions in it. The Turing test was really good. Um, we just started playing this new one called um, The Uncertainty. And there's only one chapter out right now, but it's basically about a, a robot who... Um, thinks that humans have gone extinct because they were at war with each other and they killed each other off and then discovers that's not actually the case. And so now he's got to make a decision on if he's going to help humanity, if he's going to try to figure out what happened, all that. So it's, it's beautiful. And bear with me. We were playing bear with me is also really, really Mm. good detective noir style, really cute, but very, very deep and just brought a lot of discussion to the table. So I love games like that. I love the ones that are uh, you take a glance at them. You're like, this might might be up my alley. But then you play it and it completely surprises you. And you just enjoy the hell out of it. The Flame and the Flood was was like that for me. Um, Oh, I played that one. The soundtrack itself is absolutely beautiful. It's not as intense as like a Subnautica or a Conan Exiles. It's kind of the isometric survival view. Um, Nice polished brushed graphics the the style is really nice um but the the background to getting into twitch for you was it always just the video games or you have some entertainment in your background as well too don't you uh yeah actually i was i was gonna go to school for theater actually i got into juilliard when i was younger and i just didn't end up going fear mostly other life reasons you know but um that's always something that i had wanted to pursue so i kind of have a little bit of that but uh, when it comes to twitch it was mostly the connecting with other people i don't really feel like i have to entertain as much i i feel grateful that i can just be my dorky self and people are okay with that so <laughs> I feel blessed in that way do you feel I don't know if you feel the way I do when when that camera goes live, sometimes it's like you times 10 all of a sudden, like everything. I, I have the reactions I have normally on Twitch. I'm not putting anything on. But for some reason, when the okay. camera's on, I feel like I just get amped up a level. Hmm. I do feel like uh, I use the term on Um, but I feel like the same can be said for regular social interaction. Mm -hmm. So if you notice, if you go to like a party or a group, you're more focused on maybe necessarily what you're saying, um, how it might come off. Um, so I do kind of feel that, that type of I'm on and I'm using a lot of my energy because I want to focus on chat. I want to focus on the game and I, I want to keep things lighthearted and positive and stuff like that. But I don't really feel like 
I mean, I guess if I were playing Mass Effect by myself, I might not be like screaming so excited about, you know, the kill shots. Yes, I would. I probably would. <laughs> I probably would. Let's be honest. There's no chill PV. It's just all amped up all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. There, I'd say there is chill, but it's probably not when I'm like playing games with a group of friends at like a party. And that's, I guess, kind of how I view Twitch. We're all together in my living room, you know, on, on my couch playing games together. That's kind of how I feel about it, I guess. Do you spend as much time? Well, not obviously as much time, but do you jo- enjoy watching Twitch as much as you enjoy being on it? Because I know myself, like I'm, I don't even really like watching Twitch that much, which I know is weird to say. I know <laughs> guys, there are very few people that uh, I will watch on Twitch and to butter your bread a little bit. I do watch you and I enjoy watching you. And that's one of the reasons that I followed and continued watching. But most people, uh, I I don't necessarily enjoy watching on Twitch. I just like the performance aspect of it. Um, but that's interesting. You seem to enjoy both sides equally. Yeah, there are, to be 100% honest with you, there are days where I'm like, man, I just wish I could be a really good mod or a community manager. Because if I could just focus on like one big community, then I feel like that energy, you know, we'd we'd kill it. But yeah, I just I do enjoy watching. But you're right. There are there are specific streams that I prefer over other types of streams, you know, and and that's kind of the beauty of Twitch. You can find pretty much any style there on Twitch. You can find shoutcasters. You can find people who are a little bit more chill and real. And then you can find entertainers where the whole thing is a show from start to finish, which is, which is great. And it just depends on what you're in the mood for. But um, for me, I tend to gravitate towards the more chill, honest streamers that just kind of like, you know, boot it up and say, Hey, let's, let's enjoy this, this ride together. Yeah. How do you feel about the expansion of Twitch? Like the, uh, it was definitely gaming focus for a long, long time. And oh, since yeah. the collapse of Justin.tv and everything has really branched out, like I was kind of turned off at first by like social eating and IRL. But at the same time, it's just creating more opportunity. Well, honestly, I started. OK, I've always had this weird. I guess I don't want to say obsession, but interest in sharing um, my life online. So I used to journal online publicly. Hmm. Um, a lot. And so I feel like for me, seeing the expansion of in real life, um, again, it's, it's very seductive for me because I'm like, I can take you guys to the aquarium. I can take you places where like in Alaska, when I was there, um, in real life wasn't available, but I tried to get this, I just, I tried to download this app on my phone where I could share, um, the spot where we would go and have lunch and belugas would, beluga whales would come and eat and feed. And it was just, I had this moment where I was sitting there and I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing. And I want to share it with, I want to share it with my community and they can't be here with me right now for this. And so for me, that's, that's super exciting that they're expanding in in that way. And I think, I think Twitch probably wants to become the new reality television, Mm. but better because it's not scripted. It's not always scripted. It is real life. You are sharing and connecting with another human being, but they have, planned for the day i guess so i don't know i i'm really really excited about it do you think doing that has kind of reprogrammed your mindset like when you're out doing something that you really enjoy is there always kind of that thought in the back of your brain like oh i wish i could share this right now sometimes yeah it depends on what's going on or what's happening around me but yeah that does happen a lot and it's funny because some people might be thinking to themselves well you know put the, I'm also a photographer. So some people might think, put the camera down or, you know, stop thinking about social media and all that stuff and just enjoy the moment. But for me, enjoying the moment and processing that moment is sharing. Intrinsically mm. linked for me. It's part of, part of my experience, sharing that, saving that moment, taking that photograph so that I can look at it later or share it with other people. That to me is just, it's part of my, my blood, I guess. Do you think that's why you got into photography to begin with is? Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. I was the I was the girl taking photos of my food and my feet and everything else around me. And then it just happened to be that, you know, one friend needed photos of this thing. And then 
one thing led to another and now I'm taking photos for a living. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's a that's a tremendous career path. I mean, if you're doing the thing that really fuels you anyway, between the photography and the Twitch, that's kind of what we all aspire to have, I think, is just having uh, having all those kind of needs, all those things uh, met and make a living off of it. Yeah, you have to be careful, though, because it's very easy for enough to never be enough, Mm. no matter what you're doing. Even as a photographer and even as a Twitcher, there are mornings where I get up and I think I'm, you know, not good enough or I need to be better or there's stuff that I could do. And it's like, you or, you know, you see somebody else on Twitch or Instagram or something like that, that has, you know, different followers or something like that, or more than you or whatever, or, you know, prettier than you or whatever. And you just think to yourself, you internalize that and go, ah, you know, but you've, you've got to just... You just got to take a step back and look at everything that you do have and just be grateful for it. So then in in, in that vein, because you are really putting yourself out there uh, when you're doing something like this. I know we all kind Mm -hmm. of like I said, we kind of amplify our personalities a little bit. And at times I do feel like I'm playing a character, but it is still me in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know if you have that same thing or if you just feel like you're very vulnerable out there and everything is personal, like how how an interaction comes back to you and you internalize that. Oh goodness. This is a, really I know we're deep diving today. now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. I love deep dives. It's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel vulnerable all the time. Um, I've had instances where I think that I'm in a private space because I see the people that are on the chat with me and they're the same people that are there almost on a daily basis. Mm. And there's this illusion of a closed room. And then every once in a while you have something that reminds you that, oh no, this is live on the internet. Anybody, literally anyone could be watching and not talking right now. And anybody could save this and stumble upon it later, you know? And then it's like, I've had moments where people in my real life will will say to me, oh, I saw, I watched your stream yesterday and I feel almost invaded. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like kind of this moment of like, oh, you didn't tell me you were watching? You what? Wait, what? And it's just this moment of, you know, panic where I'm like, oh my gosh. And they saw that part, that private part of me. Well, of course, you're putting it on the internet, but I don't know. I guess that's that's part of, of streaming in the way that I stream and the way that you know, you stream and being real people on the internet and having conversations and stuff like that with people instead of putting on necessarily a character of, of a show or something like that. It's not, it's different. Oh, and sometimes I feel like chat knows more personal things about me than I'd say people in that I interact with on a daily basis, because, because of our deep dives, I will share how I think about the world or, um, you know, things like that, even though they don't know necessarily about the ins and outs of my day-to-day life, like going to the store, or, you know, what I did at work, mm-hmm. they know, they know arguably the the deeper parts of, of your soul. And so that can be, yeah, it's just vulnerability is how it co- it's, comes with the territory. You're going to feel vulnerable all the time. Oh yeah. Oh, I've absolutely had those times where like somebody asks a question in chat and then you realize how, how deep and serious the answer is. And there's a little like, oh, do I do I actually share this part of myself and like put myself out there and see? And it's, it's almost always such a positive response when you do that. But at the same time, I'm always like, should, should I have, should I have said that? I don't, I don't know. Have you ever had a moment where you share something and then you thought to yourself, Oh fuck, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) I, I gave away part of my, like where I am or safety or do you do you ever worry about that? Like people finding where you are? And I don't worry about my safety too much. Like I use I use a different last name online, but that's mostly because I'm a teacher. What? Yeah, I'm kidding. I know. I'm right. Just a joke. I don't even know <laughs> your fake last name. It's fine. <laughs> um, I, I uh, it's only because I work in the education industry and I don't want my students finding me. Aside from that, I honestly don't care. I'm, I don't worry about safety or anything like that. But I think and maybe this is stereotyping. I think there is a bit of a gender part to it. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. So like if somebody shows up in my house, I'm not like, I mean, I've had, I've had viewers to my house. Like that's how little I care. But well, I mean, I would have people, I would have people to my house as well. Like Aggie's talking about 
Um, sorry, I'm mentioning no, another no, here, but one of one of my friends is thinking about coming to, you know, a Toronto meetup. And I'm like, yeah, come crash on my couch. But I just think if somebody if somebody showed up where I was, it would be a little bit alarming for me. Mm. Um, and also because I'm a photographer, you know, my other business is entirely online, you know, like my last name and phone number and all that stuff. And so it's just kind of like. I don't know. I do worry about that sometimes. So I I think about like it's so strange to me that and we have uh, for people that are unaware, we have this very tight knit group and it some people say it's like a click, but it's really not. We just have a tight knit group of people that want to support each other and help each other grow. And it surprises me at times how like close I feel with you guys because if it's if anyone's ever like oh I'm gonna go to your area I'm like oh of course stay at my place I've never met you yeah. like in person yeah. but <laughs> but please come into my house and sleep on my couch well I think I think that's actually and hopefully this changes in the next you know five ten years but it's changed a lot in the last ten um, people being a little bit more accepting on you know relationships that you have on the internet um, but I feel like because there's a monitor there or you know people tend to feel a little bit safer about what it is that they're going to share they feel like it's fine i can just log off this person doesn't actually affect my day-to-day life in any way other than in a way in which i allow them to so it creates this kind of illusion of safety and so you share more and so you get closer so you know we're having these conversations about you know we're deep diving we're sharing what we believe about, you know, life, the universe and everything. And it's just like, that's, that's stuff you don't normally get to talk to with people you meet in person until like, you know, four months in sometimes when you meet friends and you go out, you know, gaming or go to movies or whatever. Sometimes you don't have these conversations until somebody throws a party and you have like a late night with, with beer and stuff around the couch. So mm-hmm. it's just, I feel like, I feel like it accelerates the rate at which you get to know somebody sometimes online. However, there are instances where, you know, it it can be completely made up that what you're learning about other people. So you just have to kind of be careful. But I feel like since with other streamers, especially you get to see their face Mm -hmm. every day. Like I know what you look like. I know who you are. I feel like I would feel totally comfortable having you over to my house. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'll cook for you. So it'll be all good. Sensual chef. Oh, no. <laughs> I knew oh, it was going to come sorry. up at some point. Um, yeah. So uh, talking about the, the the gaming aspect a little bit more, um, what where did you start out with gaming? What was your first system? What were some of the first memories you have with video games? First thing that came to mind was Echo the Dolphin and on a Sega CD. Oh, Sega so, CD. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. That was my, I think that was my first. Um, and then, of course, there were... You know, I think Gauntlet Legends was on there or wait, no, Um, Sonic CD was on there as well. It was one of those. It had um, the cartridge as well. So Mm -hmm. it was the Sega CD, but then it also had the Genesis. And so that was my first first experience. Echo the Dolphin made me cry. It was also the first game that ever made me cry. Um, Yeah, it was just a really, really great game. Did you remain a kind of a sega fangirl or did you kind of switch between the two consoles because at the time it was pretty much sega nintendo like that was it oh yeah we didn't have a nintendo until um my sister and i both asked for separate consoles for christmas one year i asked for the playstation and she asked for the nintendo 64 and it just so happened that we got a 64 um i used to tease her and tell her, um, you know, I'd never forgive her and all that. And she's, if she's listening, she's probably like, oh my God, I can't believe she brought this up. But <laughs> um, we ended up getting a 64, but that's okay. Cause there were a lot of really amazing games on the 64 too. And then I think a year later, I ended up getting us a, a PlayStation with allowance or something like that. So we ended up having both consoles and we just gamed a lot. Gaming was a huge part of our lives. So at what point did it switch over to PC or Mac or whatever system? Uh, when Twitch, Twitch, I've been console pretty much, pretty much exclusively all the way through. And then Twitch, it just became easier for me to play games on the computer. So that's when I started doing that. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's surprising. Making that jump from console to computer gaming is not easy. The computer gaming side of things is generally much more complicated. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's good. And I mean, to be fair, I play a lot of point and click adventure games at the moment. But um, I have tried my hand at the division. I'm kind of obsessed with the division right now. It's really good. Um, but yeah. So uh, other media, then, if we jump out of video games for a moment, I know you're a Star Trek fan. Uh, I am also a huge Star Trek fan. Uh, what is it about like sci-fi and fantasy and all those genres that you really latch on to? Oh my God. Well, I could give you like a cheese puff answer, but since we've been <laughs> deep diving, I'll, I'll give you a real answer. Um, what appeals to me about Star Trek and the next generation specifically is that they are advancing humanity's understanding of the world around them um it just seems kind of like this perfect way to be they're not they're not at war they're they're focusing on knowledge and that's kind of the ideal for me i wish that humanity could be where they are in some ways we are but in some ways we're very much in the opposite direction so sci-fi just feels limitless mm. Oh, absolutely. The things that they're capable of achieving, the societies yeah. that they create. As much as uh, almost every fantasy sci-fi thing that you watch when they say, uh, we have an idealized society or we've created a perfect world. And you're like, well, shit, when's the other shoe going to drop? Like, that's yeah. that's always what it's setting up. But there is something about Star Trek that is uh, what I always tell people that the next generation feels like home to me because I it was a series that I watched at that very formative time of my life. Yeah. So too. those those characters feel like an extended family in a way. So it's it's been kind of wild to meet some of them over the year and tell them like how much they mean to me and not be that like those are like the only people that I still get crazy starstruck by to use Did the you, term star okay. again. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to you have to tell me you have to tell me about um, meeting them. Did you you actually have one of those moments where you couldn't speak? I've always been terrified that if I met any one of them, I wouldn't be able to open my mouth. I would just be like, I, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that would come out. That was that was mostly with Patrick Stewart. Um, uh, I, I did. I did call him captain. Uh, and I had to just because I didn't even care. I'm sure a million people have done it and I don't care. He's, yeah. He's my what did captain. he say? How to tell me? Tell me. Let me look um, vicariously. He. <laughs> He, he he laughed a little bit, but he was way more interested in flirting with my friend. That was with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, sad and days. That's, it's totally okay. I think it's hilarious because her dad actually looks a lot like Patrick Stewart. So it's it's funny. She looks at like Patrick Stewart as a father figure just because of that. Well, did that ruin her life then? Oh, no, no. <laughs> she was thrilled. Figure flirt with her? She was still thrilled. <laughs> Um, but the one that really threw me was meeting, uh, LeVar Burton because Jordy, Jordy is my favorite TV character on my favorite TV show. And I told him that straight out. And then a friend behind me yelled, Rob doesn't like reading. And I was like, shut up, (laughs) shut up, (laughs) Mr. Don't tell Mr. Reading rainbow that I don't like reading. Um, but he was, he was super nice. He recorded a bumper for the podcast and everything, which not everybody does, but, oh, it made everything. They say not to meet your heroes unless your heroes are LeVar Burton, and then it's totally okay. The <laughs> nicest man. The nicest man. Can I ask you a serious question? Oh, no. You may interview me. This is the problem. I'm going to let you interview me because I like okay. talking about myself just as much as anybody does. Yeah. What is it about Jordy that appeals to you so much? Why is he your favorite of all favorites? That is a good question. Um, I th- Well, for one... I always gravitate towards the the geeky nerdy character. So like my Ninja Turtle is Donatello. Um <laughs> Jordy is and you would think it'd be okay, so it's Jordy or Data when you get to that point. Um and Jordy was like always nice, like he always had the answer. He was horrible with women, so I related. Um there was something too. I don't know if it was like the visor was really uh, interesting to me. I don't think I necessarily saw it the way I do now as like someone who can accomplish all these things with an adversity that actually when equipped for it makes him more capable than everybody else in a lot of ways. 
Uh, at the time, I was like, that dude's got a robo eyes and it's awesome. So <laughs> that was all it took oh, at the time. Kid, you're like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. yeah, that's super cool. Like, I didn't want to be a full robot, but I wanted robot eyes. So I was way into that. Um, I wish it was more than that. But in its simplest terms, it was the cool guy with the robo eyes. Well, when you were younger, but yeah, you know, had the opportunity to change your favorite character and you didn't. True, you know, like true. People grow, people change, and he stayed your favorite, so that must mean something. He also is never treated fairly. Like the writing for Jordy is just really bad yeah. at times, and I feel like he's so much more than they ever portrayed. And maybe that's me. I'm running off with the character in my brain and filling in the gaps. Like I asked you a very personal question. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of hear when people say they gravitate towards one character or another. I always, I'm always intrigued by what it is that it is appealing to them. And I think, I think in the case of Jordy, that's, that's super intriguing to me because it would have been so easy for your char- favorite character to be, you know, like Riker or something mm. like that, you know, it's super easy. See, Riker's that, the but... one I identify with the least. He's so yeah, smooth. Too. I don't He's... like him that much. <laughs> Sorry for you Riker fans out there. Well, no, but he becomes yeah, just... he becomes kind of a one note at times. Like, oh, there's a hot chick on the Enterprise. Riker's going to go get her. Yeah. 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 So there was then... one instance in an episode where I, I paused and was like, OK, Riker, you're all right. And it was when um, Worf was putting on, I think he had to wear like a like a dress or something to go meet somebody. He was. He was doing that. And then he said, I'm not wearing a dress, a dresses for women or something like that. And Riker just looks at him and he goes, that is extremely sexist of you, Worf. And I expect you to change your attitude. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) All right, Riker. Points for Riker. Well, then who do you gravitate towards? Data. Yeah. But not in a like, I identify with Data. More just like I find him super fascinating and intriguing and just the whole idea of him trying to discover what humanity is. And I guess in a way I'm, I'm still trying to discover that. So maybe that's probably why I gravitate towards that so much, but I've always had a thing for, you know, robotic characters or characters outside of Mm. being human. And he is by far my favorite. Have you listened to mission log at all that Star Trek? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. I started going through it. So what I did was this summer while I was um, editing photos, I would watch on one monitor, Mm. I would watch the next gen and I went through the entire series and then I needed kind of a breather to grieve. And then I started to go back through the series again with your, with the podcast that you linked me through. And, um, but then my wedding season was over. So I'm going to wait until it starts again to go through again. The reason I ask is, uh, one of the conversations they have on mission log all the time that I find incredibly fascinating. And it's, it's something that was an inconsistency with the next generation that I always wondered about is does data actually not have feelings or is data unaware of what feelings feel like he has them. He has responses that seems like he has feelings and yet just cannot process what these things are and why his motivations are what they are in certain circumstances. Yeah. Well, I mean, without going into the argument that he's just simulating emotion, we'll say he has emotions. Um, I think if we, he's like in that way, he's like a, a child or an infant or an adolescent, because I feel like even now as an adult, it's hard for me sometimes when I'm feeling something to identify what it is that I'm feeling, where it's coming from and appropriately address it Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of just navigate my way around feelings. So I can't imagine having those feelings and also being, having the intelligence of an adult or, or higher because data has got, you know, he's nuts, but then having the, the understanding and the experience of a two-year-old. That's probably where I feel like he's probably super interesting in that way that he has to struggle with finding balance of, of these emotions. And even then, because later they give him an actual, you know, emotion ship and he just doesn't, he doesn't know how to handle it and he doesn't want it anymore because it interferes with like his logic and his reason and stuff like that. And I can identify with that 100%. Yeah, I almost wish they had done that. Unplug that emotional part. Right. I wish they had done that earlier in the series because that's something that's really interesting to explore. I still remember, I think it's in First Contact where he just switches it off for a second and then someone was like, oh man, I wish at times that was was it. Like I'll just turn my fear off right away and that's pretty amazing. Um, We're going to take some questions too from the chat. 
So if anybody yeah. has any questions, feel free to throw those up and I'll uh, ask PB things. While we're waiting for people to get some questions in, why don't you tell us about the exciting thing that you have going on on the uh, front page of Twitch coming up? What? Okay. Um, so every Friday until April 14th, we're going to be on the front page of Twitch, which is super exciting. Um, it's going to be featuring our Fright Night. So we play a lot of indie games, as I mentioned earlier, but every Friday we play a scary game um, because I can't handle anything. And um, most people find it humorous when I get terrified. So that's what we do. So that's what they're going to be featuring. So that's super, super exciting. That's about it, though. Uh, one question is for me asking why I hate them so much. I don't know. I think chat's been having a very interesting sub conversation going on about <laughs> the way I present myself online. And uh, I, I don't I didn't follow the whole thing, so I'm not entirely sure there. Or they're just mostly teasing, but it, it stemmed from you saying that you don't even use your your real last name on, oh, I know. on the internet or something like that. How many people fake. even use their names, period, let alone first or last name or anything like that? I only yeah, I have to true. I have to use mine because yeah. I do entertainment things offside or outside of the internet. So people are I, surprised. I, like I, I this is slightly off topic, but I feel like more attached to PB than my real name now. It's the strangest thing. I never, I never thought that, but I feel more PB than I do my real first name. It's, it's bizarre. I think that happens yeah. with a lot of people. I found a weird like reprogramming happening in my brain. If somebody changes their name on Facebook or anything like that, or their online uh, social media stuff, the more you see it, the more your brain becomes familiar with that name for them. So then if somebody says a different name, it's actually then strange. Yeah. I've noticed that yeah, happen a lot. Like sometimes I'll learn people will tell me their real first name and I'm just like, what? No, that doesn't fit you. Yeah. And that's a strange thing, but it's because I, you know, in a term fell in love with these people under this, this name. And I just kind of, I, I don't know. I associate when I hear that name, it's like, I, it feels good and it feels right. And so, yeah, it's just. Um, oh, okay. Here's a question for you. In terms of your own well-being, how do you wind down from an intense stream? Um, how do I wind down from an intense stream? Sorry, mm -hmm. I broke up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you're when you have like a really intense one, what do you do at the end to kind of like come back down? Uh, well, if it's a fright night, I fall asleep almost immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just go lay down, and that's it. Um, if it's a, an intense emotional stream. Sometimes I turn the stream off and cry. I'm just going to admit that right now. Sometimes I'll just turn the stream off and cry for like a good half hour. And then um, and then I'll watch somebody else's stream and just kind of relax with the community that way. If I can find a good stream that's appealing to me at that time, that's what I usually do. Um, you know, a doctor would probably tell you to go for a walk or do something like that. It's probably <laughs> something I should be doing. But um, that is being physical is a good way to to let that go also just not necessarily what i do uh funky asks does uh does mr b call you pumpkinberry or pb mostly neither um we use pet names mostly we rarely use each other's real first name let's see oh squalls <laughs> squalls uh who are some of your favorite streamers streams media to consume or even just ideas themes of stuff uh like any special oh places God. you go to for inspiration specific places I go to for inspiration that there are so many things in that question. Um, there are. <laughs> I mean, I watch a lot of Netflix, which is not for inspiration, but that's like media I consume. Um, I feel like, especially with Twitch in the last, in the last year and a half, um, not even been a year and a half, it's only been a year, but in the last year, I feel like I gravitate towards, people who are having real experiences on the internet. So that's become more of my TV than say Netflix. Um, I read when I can. Not really sure how else to answer that question. Some of my favorite streamers, I feel like that varies. Like mm. every, I feel like every week I'm finding somebody new that I'm absolutely in love with. So um, I guess to answer that, just check my auto host. Cause I put everybody I love on there and there's like 30 of them. So if you want to take a peek at that, then that that should help. 
Have you ever felt, um, I don't know, I've run into this once where I I raided somebody after a stream and almost instantly regretted it because I didn't properly vet them. Yeah. And there's there's yeah. something weird about that. Like I, I when when we ask people to raid with us, we do like have a certain uh, I don't know. There's like a weight I feel on that. Like, oh, I'm bringing my friends over to this new person. And if if it doesn't end up the way that I'd like it to be, I almost feel like, oh, I just I just almost betrayed my community in a way. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. And for those of you listening, um, rating is when when your stream is over, um, you open someone else's stream and then bring your entire community over to their stream and just kind of say hello, spam a, a, a raid text or a message or something like that to let them know that you're here. And then you you end your cast that way by by keeping um, your community entertained by bringing them to somebody else. Um so yeah, that has absolutely happened to me before. And so now I kind of default to um, asking my mods ahead of time, like, you know, they'll send me messages of people that we know we've looked at before and ahead of time. I may not have looked at them, but I trust my my moderators mm-hmm. to have looked at them and, and let me know if the community is going to be good. And then and we go and we raid that way. We try to raid new people all the time. So that way it's like new exposure for everybody. And, yeah, totally. Um stuff like that. So, but yeah, there's absolutely been that. And it's not like, it's not like it's a personal thing. It's, it's very much that, oh, this person just may not have the attitude towards casting that I, I do. So, you know, they, they might even be using derogatory language or something Mm -hmm. like that. And that's just not something that I want. That's not something that I want my community exposed to. We come there's so much of that on the internet already. Like we come to my community to kind of just not have that. Absolutely. <laughs> so I do feel badly when that happens. Yeah. Uh, good question from Fury Wrath. You talked about your first stream PB. Uh, I'd like mm-hmm. to know what it was like to stream for the first time, to see the views coming in and to interact with the audience. So how all That's that was really at the good beginning. Question. Um, goodness. I feel like, when I first saw um, viewers coming in, I didn't really know what was happening. I'm, t- I'm sorry for my hesitation. I'm pausing to try to actually remember what it felt like. Um, I feel like I got excited, a little bit nervous. I, I tend to take everybody at face value when they put something in the chat. So it's it was hard for me to tell when people were you know, teasing me or being honest with me. So I would answer each question. And I feel like that actually deflected a lot of trolls very early on because mm. they just went, oh, she's not, she doesn't understand that I'm making fun of her or whatever. And then they'd move <laughs> on and I'd be like, okay, yeah, blah, blah, and I keep going. Yeah. So I didn't have any of that um, trouble, I guess you could say that, that some streamers face early on when they're small um, and the community's not necessarily talking I didn't have that either because I, I always went out of my way to ask the chat questions or and things like that. So I didn't really have days where it was super quiet and I didn't know what to do with myself. But I feel like that's a struggle that a lot of streamers have in the beginning is what to, you know, how to keep talking when chat's just watching you play a game. Mm. Uh, Jimothy asks, PB, have there ever been days in your streaming uh, where you've seen lack of numbers growth and how have you dealt with them if so? like? Maybe you're not getting the response to something that you'd like to. Okay. So I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I don't look at my numbers. I only just started looking at my numbers like two weeks ago. That's it. The reason I do that is because I don't want to freak out in the middle of a game. I don't want it to be about numbers. I don't want it to be, especially as an indie game streamer, which is what I started as and what I really want to focus on. You're not going to get the same numbers necessarily i mean it's possible mm-hmm. um that you might see from a game like mass effect or the sims or something like that you know it's and that's okay but you know the numbers that are there are exposed to something really freaking awesome mm-hmm. and you're having an experience that's super beautiful and if that number is 10 or 30 it doesn't it sh- it shouldn't matter and it doesn't matter to me so that's why i don't look at at the numbers in that way um for those of you who are, you know, trying to be, make a living as a streamer, yeah, numbers are something that you're going to have to keep in mind. But just please try to remember that 
the people in that room aren't numbers, they're people and the experience that you're having, just make it the best experience you can have with those 30 people or those 20 people or those five people. Mm. And those five people will share it with, with one other person and be like, Hey, this was a really cool thing that happened. I want you to come and, and hang out with me in this way. And that's the best way. It's a slower road growing your community that way, but it's much, much better for you and your community and your casting overall in general, in my opinion. That actually leads right into another question that Captain Howdy asked, which is a fantastic one. Uh, it's easier than ever for someone to adopt a false personality, lie and or deceive over the Internet. As it continues to be such a big part of your life, do you have any methods or recommendations to detect and avoid those that just try to use uh, use you to help them climb the ladder, so to speak? Oh, damn. I'm so bad at that. I'm really bad at that. I Like I said, I take everybody at face value sometimes. So when people are excited and come to me, I'm like, oh, yay. And then I, and then when, you know, it, it becomes clear that it's not what I thought it was. It, it always hurts. And I'm an emotional person. So I'm mm. like, oh, well, fuck. And I just, yeah. So I don't really necessarily have any advice for that, except surround yourself with people that are grounded and that you trust. And that can also tell you, hey, you know, like, I don't really feel like this person is being honest with you, you know, things like that. If you have people that can help you check yourself and check the people around you, it's really good. But um, I've, I've only really had that happen maybe once or twice, mm. to be fair. So overall, it's been a really good experience. I try to keep myself open and just hope for the best. And, and in the end, if somebody uses you as a, as a way to like climb the ladder, I guess, then that's, they're hurting themselves, not, not really you. Sure. I mean, it's never going to take away from your viewership. And I, I find that streamers sometimes think about themselves as competitors. And that has always been really super weird to me. Yeah. You know, there's another streamer that might be streaming at the same time as me, but you know what? There are millions of people on Twitch and they're not going to want to watch you every day. And not every single person is going to connect with you. You know, yeah, people are going to connect with you because you're, you know, hopefully you're being you on the cast and they're going to connect with that. And then they're going to want to come. And that's your audience. You want people who are coming for you, not, yeah, you don't want to steal people from other streamers and stuff like that. It's just, I, yeah, that doesn't exist. I feel like there's plenty for everybody. Oh, yeah. Everybody can be successful if they want. Um, so I don't know if I got sidetracked or if I answered. Oh that no, question that sounds like it. I, I mean, I really don't understand the competitive aspect of Twitch because nothing has helped growth, at least for me personally, as much as collaboration. So yeah. if, if collaboration equals growth, then what is competition on Twitch? It doesn't even make sense. They don't, they work against each other. Yeah. I mean, your coworkers, not yeah. competitors. However, I mean, it's, it is kind of like when you break it down, it is seen as a sales job. Sure. sure. So like, if you're all on commission, then it can, people can be a little bit competitive with it. But I guess, I guess if I'm 100% honest with you guys right now, which we have been, you know, you enter a stream, you watch somebody and you go, there's a feeling in your gut going, hmm, this seems like a show. It mm -hmm. probably is then. Mm -hmm. Fucking tab out. <laughs> <laughs> this is a show right now. We, we pre-scripted yeah. all of these answers and all these all questions. Every single one. It's all done. My we just aren't even real. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have a question from uh, Silenced Night. I feel like we know this guy. Uh, as you grow on Twitch, inevitably you gain friendships along the way. How do you balance your personal relationships on Twitch with the inherent business side of things? Does one impact the other or are they uh, mutually exclusive? Ooh, that's a really good question. Considering I'm notoriously really bad at balance. Um, I feel like when you find a friend on Twitch you know, because that friend can be honest with you and say, hey, your front page hurts me, but I love you and I'm happy for you. But I'm a real person and I'm a little bit jealous about what's going on. And then you can say to that friend, I love you. And you can have a moment. And that's, you know, when you find a friend on Twitch and those friends will make, side, make time for you outside of streaming, you know, those friends don't necessarily expect you to be there in there, if there are other streamers, 100% all the time, because there are just too many streams, you can't, you can't. Um, they want to see you succeed. They support you. 
Oh, it's just like finding a, a friend outside of Twitch. They love you. Mm. They love you for who you are and what you're doing. And they're happy for you. And, um, but they can be real with you too and mm-hmm. say things like, Hey, you know, you're not spending enough time with me. Like, let's play a game off stream. And you can say, yes, 100%. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. I, I think it's a hundred percent human to be like, Oh, I'm jealous of the success you're having. And yet at the same time, I'm super pumped for the success you're having. Like that's a yeah. very human, normal reaction. Yeah. I, I feel like it, it's just, it just boils down to effort. If you meet somebody that you care about and you want to be friends with, and not just business associates with, then you need to make time for them outside of your regular networking and all this other stuff that you're doing. Um, and you need to be honest with each other because being able to say, Hey, you know, whatever this happened, I, it made me feel a little bit icky inside and I'm really sorry that I felt icky about it, but can we at least talk about it and, and move forward? I feel like that's, that must be what actors go through too. You know, Mm. like I can't imagine like I, it's just casting times a million. So, oh, here's on that note. Um, speaking about personal life versus Twitch streaming, uh, mm-hmm. does that ever affect your relationship at home? The fact that you put so much time into being a part of an online community—is there uh, like certain things that you have to specifically make time for away from that, just to make sure you're not devoting too much time to streaming or anything? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 100% transparency and honesty. I'd say like when I first found Twitch, I did what most people do when they find Twitch is get like super obsessed with Mm -hmm. it. And I spent all my time online. I would stay up to like two or three in the morning chatting with people on discord and stuff like that. Um, and then eventually, you know, Mr. B was like, Hey, I mean, I love you. I know you're a workaholic and I, I love that aspect of you. I love how driven you are, but I am feeling a little bit neglected. So now I, I've gone out of my way to be like, okay, well, at 10 o'clock or like nine or whatever the time is, I'm off and that's it. I just leave and my friends will either understand that or they won't. I can't be, I can't be with Twitch as much as I used to or 100% all the time because Mm -hmm. I do, you know, have a relationship that is number one in my life and I want to make sure that that doesn't suffer at all. Um, And we play games outside of stream and he usually sits right next to me actually during a cast. So sometimes he'll like type funny things to me or, or whatever. So. And how many um, times does he jump during Fright Night? (laughs) Oh, he leaves. He bails during Fright Night. Totally. 100%. He goes downstairs. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, here's a, here's a very deep, serious question. Uh, PB, yeah. you're really rocking that lipstick. Which type is it? <laughs> oh, um, it is called Tull, and it's from ColourPop. Super deep, super, uh, super important. <laughs> we get we get right to the hard hitting questions, guys. Yeah, that was so so difficult to yeah. answer. Why am I shades red now? <laughs> Are you matching the color of your lipstick now as you slowly yeah, adjust? Pretty much. This is this is Barry. This is embarrassed Barry. <laughs> Um, man, I feel like we've talked about so much already. Um, what, what are your, uh, what are your aspirations then moving forward with Twitch? I know you want to get partnered as so many of us do. Uh, it's something we all want to do, but what do you, what are your goals moving forward with it? Hey, I got to tell you something. So my, and I, I, the only reason I'm saying this right now is because I feel like there might be people listening and or watching this that, kind of have this as a goal, you know, getting partnered. Um, my, my, one of my moderators whom I adore said to me at one point, like, why do you want that? Why do you want that purple button? And literally have everything that that purple button provides you right now without getting that purple button. Why do you want it? It's a fair point. It's a really good point And it's something everybody should ask, ask themselves because it's, if you're for a second, if your first thought is because that's what I'm supposed to have or because it validates me or it validates my streaming or it makes me feel professional, then don't don't bother. <laughs> that's not the right reason to go for that button. Mm. Or if that's all you want it for, that's fine. But then you just have to evaluate like, okay, well, if that's what I want it for, then why am I killing myself over it? I'll get there eventually. My answer was stupid. It was for the emotes. That was my answer. <laughs> that's yeah but that's a thing that's a thing that matters to you it is a thing that matters to me but that but that that moment like changed me it rocked me on my insides because i 
I did have to think like, okay, well, wait a second. Why, why do I really want this? Is it because I feel like everybody else will think I'm professional or better or official if I have that? I mean, yeah, it makes, it makes asking for game keys and stuff like that a lot easier sure. when you have that purple button. Um, but for, for part of me, it was absolutely validation. It was feeling like good enough which is something everybody struggles with, I feel like. And yeah. And so then I had to just reevaluate and go, okay, well, I'm good enough now. I'm super happy where I am with my community. And in some ways, that's something that you lose as you get bigger if you're mm. not careful. You know, that really tight, tight knit, close community that can have those deep dives. Um, so that's not something I want to give up. So yeah, then it was like, okay, well, I'm fine the way I am. Then the re- only thing I'm really gunning for is emotes and that'll happen eventually. I mean, technically you can get emotes if you use a different service for your subs. I mean, there's lots of stuff that you can do without that purple button, but it just took a lot of weight and pressure off when I realized that, um, that I didn't need to be emotionally validated um, mm. by a purple button. It is. I mean, it is in the same way that Twitter has the blue check mark. There is. There's no other way that Twitch necessarily validates their streamers other than that subscribe button. However, sometimes they put people on the front page of Twitch too, and that's a nice form of validation <laughs> right there. So that's something a lot of people Thanks will never lot. see. So that's that's them yeah. kind of tipping their hat to you for sure. Yeah. I think they've uh, the response to your community, uh, you had mentioned before that I think Twitch mentioned that you had one of the most kind of loving, supportive communities that they've ever kind of featured. And they were pretty blown away by that. And that's that's a huge compliment. And I think that's a reflection of you as a streamer for sure. But it's also the community, too. I feel like as a streamer, you have to know and you have to know in your bones that it's not just... I mean, you are a big part of it, but so is your community. So are your regulars. So are those people that go out on a limb and are brave and chat by posting what they feel about the game or their opinion on it, you know? And I feel like too many people kind of get wrapped up in themselves pretty quickly. Um, side of that, that it's just as much your community as it can be you. And I mean, you foster it, but it is still you and your community. And yeah, it was a Twitch staffer that had said that about the community and it just kind of blew me away. I I think I cried for like 20 minutes after I got that because it was just like, that's such a sweet thing to say about a a community in general that, you know, we're welcoming and warm and just like, what? Oh yeah, it was great. It was was a good day. That's for sure. Mm. Uh, Zornaf asks, have either of you ever considered streaming on other apps at the same time as Twitch? Um, Um, I tried Bean once. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I found it to be super disconnecting for my community. Because then they were like, who's she talking to right now? They couldn't see it. And I know that there's ways to like connect your chat. But for me, I just thought, okay, well, no, it's 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 too much for me to split. And then it became more about, you know, just like, you know, increasing your growth and exposure and that's not necessarily why i stream so if people at this time want to come and see me stream they can either come to the live stream and if they can't make that then the vods are posted on youtube Mm. and uh twitch so do you ever feel pressure Uh, i'm sure you do that uh you've committed to a certain thing on stream and uh there once you do that there's a certain pressure to deliver or else you feel like you're disappointing your community in a way and that weighs very heavily i don't know if people realize how much that weighs heavily on streamers oh god streamer guilt is a real thing friends it really Um, is it's so real and i'm i'm already live my life like surrounded by guilt but i yeah i take streamer guilt to heart a lot and so it's not just like committing so part of my partnership for the emotes uh, for the community originally when I first started thinking about you know going for partnership it was like well I my community expects this or wants this because people come in and be like why aren't you partnered yet or aren't you partnered and and as a caster you're just like oh shit I'm disappointing people 
I got to step up my game. I got to deliver. And, and that's not, that's not a reason to, that's not a reason to be partnered. You know, um, they'll, they'll come whether you've got the purple button or not and their excitement. I feel like as a caster, you have to remember that you're not disappointing them. They just love you so much and they want you to succeed so much. Mm. They want to support you in that way. What they're saying, why don't you have your purple button yet? What they're really saying is like, you're so good and I love you and I'm so proud of you. But as a streamer, you tend to sometimes go, oh, shit, one more thing that I got to like do. And it's that's just, you know, as a streamer, you got to step step back again and kind of reevaluate. It's like you're constantly reevaluating everything that you're wanting and thinking. And to be super real, it's so easy to get in that next level grind as a streamer. Mm -hmm. I've seen partnered streamers who go, you know, oh, great. We're partner now. It's 100 subs, 200 subs, 500 subs, next thing, next thing. And yep. so that starts really early on, you know, that grind um, with your follower count or your viewer count. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, next big thing is the purple button. And it's like, no, you just need to, when I finally, when I got my, I've already applied for partnership and been declined. I don't know if those of you listening or watching know what that process is like, but um, it's brutal. <laughs> Um, so I've already applied and been declined a couple of times. And the first time that that happened, or maybe it was even the second time, I just kind of took a step back and I was like, I care too much about this. Mm -hmm. Forget it. I'm just going to have fun. And the, the day after I did that, literally the next stream was so fire for me because I didn't have that pressure anymore. I just removed it and it's up to you. You can have it or not. Mm -hmm. So I removed it from myself and I went, I'm doing this to have fun. So I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to play the games that I want to play. I'm going to go back to the indie stuff. I'm going to play mass effect, even though it doesn't bring me the numbers that I want. I love that series and I want to share it with my community. And yeah, then after that, my stream was great. And then, yeah, I just, it's, it's important that you always check yourself and just, remind yourself every day, like, why am I doing this? And don't lose the fun aspect. If you lose the fun aspect, everyone can see it on your stream. Your stream will suffer. You will suffer. Everything suffers. So just try to remember to have fun. Do you have a comfort game? A game where, where when you're having like a tough day, it's just like, you know what? I just need to, I need to play this. I just need to. Yes. But it's not playing. It's watching. Oh yeah. So now, don't come find me, friends that are listening <laughs> or watching. Um, I will search for the Talos Principle mm. um, and find people who are playing that game um, or Dreamfall Chapters. And I will just sneak into their chat and hang out with their community um, quietly, if I can, as quietly as possible, and just kind of enjoy their their experience of that game. Uh Oh, uh, we'll take, I think, maybe one last question. I don't want to keep you here all day. I think we're already like close That's to okay. an hour. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Another one from Squall. She says, this thing sort of happened when my stream became less precious, like not trying to make it perfect. It got so much better and more fun. Do either of you have that experience? Yeah, 100%. And I think I kind of touched on it a little bit when I said I just stopped putting so much pressure on myself. Um, yeah. When I realized that there's only so many hours in a day and I'm a small business owner, which means I already work more than an eight hour day. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. When I realized that I make a living in a different way and it's not necessarily with Twitch, it became a lot, a lot more fun and freeing and liberating. And then, then the numbers started to come along with it. Right. So you like, as long as you remember to stop putting so much pressure on yourself, people will come. Mm. People will come. If you're being real and you're having a good time, people will come. I have to remind myself that yeah. Twitch doesn't pay the bills. So I have to spend a little time doing my actual work as opposed oh, to, yeah, I'd rather be on Twitch all day, but wouldn't, uh, but yes. let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, flesh Smith. I know it's less of a problem for variety streamers, but do either of you just have days where you're looking at a game you're supposed to play and just so don't want to do it at all, but you feel obligated to play it out? Yep. Yep. 100%. Uh, I don't know if there's a specific game that that happened to me with. I mean, there are days. So I tried earlier on to do like a schedule and plan out the schedule a month in advance so mm -hmm. that I could be prepped and people could be 
excited and build hype and just know when to come ahead of time. Because if you think about it from a business perspective with Twitch, that's the way to go. Sure. So if you are listening or watching and you are fine with that, do that because that works. If people can look at a schedule and go, oh crap, she's starting this series on this day. I'm coming for that. They they can build hype in their minds. You can mention it. It's just something that they can look forward to instead of like, what are they going to play today? Um, but I feel like most of us, or at least for me personally, I cannot stream that way. I cannot plan something out a month in advance because three weeks from now, a different game might catch my eye mm-hmm. or I might be excited about something else. And then, and then I do feel obligated to play the one thing and then I'm not having fun and nobody's enjoying it and I'm not doing the game justice and the community justice and it's gross sometimes even planning a week ahead like i'll set a whole week and then i just have a really bad day and instead of playing this game that i was excited about i'm like i'm just gonna play binding of isaac because that's kind of my go-to like just chill that's your comfort game it really is i can just i can not think so much i know it's a weird kind of choice maybe that is a weird one but it's (laughs) it's it's always different it's always different it's relaxing it's not overly taxing on me and it's uh it always feels new regardless of how many times I play it. So I never feel like I'm forcing myself to, it's just like, Oh, this is, this is nice. (laughs) Just relax. Have have you ever considered when you have a day like that and just not casting? Oh, absolutely. There are days that I've definitely uh, not casted as a result, but then I feel worse usually. Yeah. Because I had made a promise to myself that I let myself down at that point. Mine's the community. I canceling stream is a severe stress for me because I always worry that I'm letting people down. Mm. And then if somebody has a reaction, that's, you know, like, Oh no, I was really looking forward to this. I beat myself up for the next hour about it, but you have to, you have to do it guys. Like you have to know there are days when you have to not be able to cast and that's going to be okay. It's going to happen, especially when you're streaming like six days a week or five days a week or seven days a week, you're going to have days where it's like something's come up and I can't, I can't stream today and that's got to be okay. I think we are roughly at that time uh, where we're going to say farewell to everybody. But uh, as we do kind of close things up today, uh, what can we promote for you? Social media, obviously your stream, all the things. Oh my goodness. I, I don't know. I was not prepared for this question. Um, (laughs) This is supposed to be the easiest rope. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, my twiddle, Twitter, twiddle, twiddle, my Twitter handle is, is pumpkinberry, And my Twitch stream is also pumpkinberry. So if you guys want to, uh, reach out to me there, I will respond. Um, yeah. Other than that, thank you so much for having me. Um, oh, thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun. I'm so excited to have on all the Twitch fam and just really deep dive into everybody. Now, how, how yeah. is your first podcast? <laughs> It was it was good. It was nerve wracking in the beginning, but as soon as the deep dive started, I was fine. I felt very comfortable. It was just like a conversation with you and you're my friend. So it was super easy. Yay. Oh, I do want to have SK on. Yes, I'm seeing that SK. You are coming on and we're doing some pop tart vendoring uh, for sure. (laughs) This is going to happen. People will get that later. Some people get it already. I don't know. Um, so as we get out of here today, guys, for everything else that we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. Check out our podcast, our game reviews all those things. Uh, If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We appreciate that. You can watch live podcasts, cooking and gaming at twitch.tv slash the geek generation. Like us at facebook.com slash the geek generation and follow at geek generation on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the night angel. It's an old pro wrestling name. Leave me alone. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Send your emails uh, to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Thank you so much again, PB, for joining me. This was an absolute delight. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll see the rest of you very soon with some more geeky stuff. Later. Make it so.